manufacturer podcast today, reversing conventions with reverse mentoring. How can senior level bosses chillax and take guidance from the young and the hip, the cool and the trendy? How can this approach close the gap on knowledge and skills? TMMX Awards Royalty come gliding in to tell us about their commitment to the future of manufacturing. Find out why the work of Lander Group is so apt for this current series and improved education, information and digitalization. Discussion goes on about reducing the current skills gap. That's all to come in today's episode. Hey there, listener. We've made it to episode three of the Skills and People series. Thanks for sticking with the rich and smooth tones of me, Tom Sinjin, the outstandingly brilliant mind of Joe Bush, and the impeccable, the elegant elocution of Lana Dima. What a team. Sorry, a sorry, team. I just need to stop. What is your surname? Sinjin. Is he actually? Yeah. Did you not know that? No. What did you think it was? How it reads. How does it read? St. John. Okay, I thought you were going to say like St. John. <laughs> Seriously, though, is that, are you for real? Has it always been that? Yep. Wow. We'll move on, shall we? we are Mind blown, eh? Mind we, blown. We are smashing this busy uh, couple of weeks. Uh, we're just coping so well, like, like so well. We've got a magazine out, the March-April edition. We'll tell you what's hot in that at some point in this episode. We've been to Parliament. They let me and Joe into Parliament. That was last Thursday. It was super good fun. It was the launch of this year's Digital Manufacturing Week, DMW 2022. And, and it actually makes you realize, doesn't it, that it is uh, not actually that far away. It's going to creep up on us like an elephant trying to break into a nursery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is a great analogy. Now, the Open University's Business Barometer report indicates that uh, 61% of businesses across the country are experiencing a skills shortage. Engineering, manufacturing and digital continue to be among the sectors with the largest skills gap. Many businesses are investing in apprenticeships, as we're well aware, but some still shy away from hiring younger or less experienced workers. This is through fear of the investment in time and money that training uh, can incur, uh, only for many to move on and take their newly acquired skills elsewhere. But there are some businesses, though, that are reaping the benefits that young people can offer. The trend of reverse mentoring is being applied by some companies. This is basically where you partner senior executives with junior staff or new graduates in a mentoring relationship. This encourages the introduction of fresh perspectives, new skills, innovation into the engineering and manufacturing sectors. New hires are empowered to share their skills across the business through their senior colleagues and leaders. Have a listen to Jack Thomas, a technical specialist at Prince City Network Project. He's evidence, actually, that this method can often be effective. Reverse mentoring is simply about using the skills and the knowledge of people new to a field, usually younger in age, new minds, and it's about incorporating that knowledge, uh, that knowledge that those younger minds have, who they, they think differently to the more experienced peers, and they want to apply that knowledge, and usually we can use those those new skills, that skill set that they have to develop and sometimes completely just overhaul 
current methodologies that their older slash more experienced peers can't or don't see just because their brains have been thinking in these ways for so long as engineers designers do that's that's just kind of the way we work it's it's effective because new talent they they want to see things differently and they're usually dissatisfied with the status quo i'd say not on a in malice way at all but in, in a way where they see they see inconsistency or they see a lack of something it could be a, a spark and they, they think this could use a bit more imagination or this could be much more streamlined is this method being too free for all is it is it is it too loose or could this methodology use a bit more of that looseness to to expand itself well, it's interesting stuff and the current skills gap is often spoke about in, in manufacturing as a, as a huge problem. Mm. How can the approach impact that, do you think? How can it lessen the, the current skills gap? With the skills gap, it's kind of a funny one, especially with us being in the position we're in now. So being in the, the fourth industrial revolution, as it were, it's kind of we're, we're very sort of self-aware that there is a skills gap and I think it's quite an interesting time for that because of our access to all this this information. I think skills gaps happen when people settle into their areas and it happens to everyone. It will, it will happen to these younger minds when they get older they will they will need reverse mentoring as well and I think there needs to be a little bit of acceptance around that. In terms of the skills gap, it's it's falling to places like the universities, the educational institutions, the places where all the, the young people are flocking for better or for worse to make them aware of this. And I think that's one of the shortfalls of this because not everybody is aware of all of these things. We we need the skills gap to be filled, but that that is an area in which we could use a bit of expansion and developments at the moment in terms of the education of these younger people. And what was the initial reaction from some of your senior level colleagues when, because obviously you tried doing this, haven't you, with, with some of your colleagues at a senior mm -hmm. level. So what was their reaction to you initially? It was quite positive, really, in terms of my reaction. I'm, I'm a bit of a an unusual case in terms of where I come from. So I actually have a textiles design background and I've come into much more of an engineering slash um, uh, an engineering slash almost mechanical role in terms of manufacture with with the access to the machinery that we've got. Um, but it was quite it, it was quite positive because it's bringing not just new knowledge, but knowledge from a different field into into this field, which I think reverse mentoring kind of that that kind of covers that area as well it's not always about being younger and older it can be about taking skills from another specialism as it were and bringing them into a specialism that you just simply wouldn't think to bring it into textiles and engineering are quite opposed to each other in quite a few ways it would seem but not really there's a lot of similar thinking there's a lot of ways they can learn from one another so it was it was quite positive i'd say from my sort of more experienced peers because I was bringing knowledge they had no knowledge about whatsoever. They didn't even have a basis of that because they were they were based in different kinds of design, like product design or electrical engineering or mechanical engineering or things like that. So it was they were they were quite open to the new ideas, I'd say. Well, that's good to hear. I, I would be intrigued to know if there is occasionally some resistance to this. You know, a senior executives always 
that open-minded because you know there's this kind of idea that if you've worked as a mm. boss for for a long time you know you've mm, kind of yeah. done your time you're long in the tooth you know you know it all you know is, is can, can that sometimes be a little bit of a, a a roadblock to this it can be yes and like i have personally come up against that as well it's it, it's it's a it's just a thing people do really that they can be very set in their ways um and that's not that's not limited just to the the field of engineering uh, it's that's wherever you go that's going to be in architecture it's going to be in textile design it's going to be in product design it's going to be in fashion there are people who think this is the way we've always done it therefore that is the right way to do it and because they're in those managerial or executive positions they think that their word is the last word but there's a much more diplomatic way of working now in a lot of places very active way of listening to your your colleagues and your your lowers and your peers and your who you manage uh, and i think that awareness has kind of created much more of a space where you feel comfortable as an employee to sort of bring your ideas forwards The Manufacturer Magazine is out, March-April edition. I did an interview with a previous pod contributor, Tim Rutter at Universal Wolf. You may remember he was in the first episode of this series of A Couple of Apprentices. Lana did a piece on TMMX winner Lander Automotive. We'll be looking at that in just a moment. Editor Joe was once again at the helm. What can readers look forward to in this edition? Cheers, Tom. Yeah, new edition out. Um, just to backpedal onto our uh, to the topic of our previous podcast series on sustainability, it is a sustainability themed issue. So we've got a lot uh, crammed in around that topic. We've got an article around the changing role of the CSO or the Chief Sustainability Officer, which is it's rapidly moving from just a, a monitoring and compliance role to one that is really driving. Uh, business strategy. We've got an interview with Deloitte who talk about the importance uh, and the significance of monitoring and measuring your scope three emissions, which uh, you know are huge contributors to to a company's carbon footprint. And and yet yet they are the hardest to measure and manage. So that's a big issue issue there. We've got a we've got an uh, an article all around um, the developments in sustainable mining. You know, an industry which perhaps doesn't have the the greatest history or the greatest perception uh within the within public opinion around mm. that sustainability issue so yeah, we've, we're setting a few uh a, a few writing a few wrongs in that one um and we're also talking to Lana's also um spoken to uh Sarah Blacksmith of Siemens a mm. uh, member of our uh, manufacturer adv- editorial advisory board uh around uh, a number around a m- number of topics but specifically around how Siemens managed to reduce their or reach their carbon uh, net zero targets. Was it eight years early, mm, Lana? It was, which yeah. was Which is, which is some achievement. Outstanding. Yeah. Outstanding indeed. Big uh, big gold star to, to Siemens. So that's just some of the things that are in our, our March issue, but um, particularly around our, our topic of this podcast, um, uh, as, as Tom alluded to, we did an interview with um, three times TMX award winner yeah. Lander Automotive, which which was uh, taken on by young Lana. Lana, take it away. You did this interview, didn't you, with Len Palmer? I did. And to be honest, I just really like Len. 
in general. Like, he was just a really great guy. It was clear to see how keen Lander is to promote manufacturing as a career path. They've partnered with lots of local colleges um, for recruitment, for their apprenticeship programme. And Len said how they're also constantly reaching out to schools to try and get involved from a young age because it's a great way for Lander to grow their own talents as well. And it was just really nice how Len also shared a personal note about how it's one of the most rewarding things he's ever done because he said he feels a sense of duty to help the next generations through. And also he shared um, a really interesting fact that... For us, it's been a really, really effective way of, A, growing our own talents. Uh, on a personal level, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever done um, because you know, I feel a sense of duty to help the next generations through. Uh, and most of the directors of this business are products of apprenticeship programs at some point in the past. So, you know, we feel an obligation to, to pass the ladder down and, and help young generations come through. Most of the directors in the business are products of apprenticeship programs at some point in the past which I loved. Yeah, so Woo. really ingrained into mm. everything they do then, isn't yeah. it? Apprentices. Go apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it was a it was a good read, Lana, and it's um, I think you know re- recruitment is also is obviously a major issue, but obviously re- re- retaining talent as well is a, is a big you know there's you know a lot of lot of stuff been written around the brain drain and um, you know manufacturing and engineering losing talent to other sectors, so. Um, you know, it's good to see that, um, you know, a lot of their, as you said, a lot of their people on um, their board of directors were a part of apprenticeship programs themselves in the past. So, you know, it's talent that has been trained within the sector, but also importantly, it stayed within the sector as well. Yeah, and it's not just attracting talent, it's attracting diverse talent by the looks of it. So they had some stats of the diversity and the diverse workforce in their area they're based in, in Birmingham. They found that the majority working in their local area, 82% white, um, 12 black and ethnic minority. Uh, this was reflective apparently of Lander too. Back in 2016, they had 85% um, white workforce, 15% BAME, and all of their BAME employees on site were over the age of 25. So they wanted to reduce the aging workforce first as the ratio was 51% over the age of 45. They set a metric related to this, and by 2019, they had 43% under the age of 35 and 53% were under the age of 40. Sorry to, to bombard everyone with stats, but but it, it's pretty cool. They, they then increased their BAME target from 15 to 25%, but actually exceeded that in the fourth year of trying to achieve that. That rose to 64%. Crikey. Getting Smashed female it. apprentices has, has, has proved a little bit trickier. They set themselves a, a 10% target, but only managed uh, 7% in, in year four. But but it's a good effort. And I think that only comes from being really proactive in your community, doesn't it? I think, you know, they're, they're an advantage maybe in some ways that Birmingham is obviously steeped in manufacturing, but probably encounter problems with a very ingrained mindset into who should be working in the industry and clearly it's been very white male dominated traditionally. One stage at the peak of the program through 2017 and 2018 we were inducting um, 15 apprentices every eight weeks so we had a, we had a huge in-band pipeline and 
you get such a wide mix of um, abilities, mm. competencies, and also challenges, is that one of the things that we learned in that process is that we had to start to adapt and change some of our processes to accommodate such a diverse range of uh, yeah. young people. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's part of the success of the programme, to be honest with you, in terms of us recognising that you know, without that adaptation, it's a very difficult thing to do. I think one of the... Th- Another thing that they do that I think helps this is the fact that they run these open days for young people and their parents to have a look around their own plant, show them that they have modern manufacturing facilities. You know, it's helping to break down those initial barriers and the misconceptions that people have um, that we've obviously talked about a lot already. Moving swiftly on, Ian Rowledge is our next interviewee and the founder and CEO of Lineview Solutions. And he chatted to me the other day about the skills gap, the dwindling number of young people in the industry, the need, the vital need to shift from paper-based manufacturing to digital, but making sure that workforces don't get left behind. Here's Ian on the pod. I think if you think about manufacturing as a whole, there's been uh, quite a lot of evolution through the last 20, 30 years, uh, particularly around automation. And it's happened at quite a high rate. So the jobs that existed 30 years ago don't exist anymore. And now, you know, what was quite manual labor expectation now has evolved to be more technical, uh, more technical operating. And often roles are being combined so that now uh, individuals are expected to do quality checks and um, clean, lubricate, inspect, maintenance, and all sorts of things that were beyond what was uh, in the industry 20, 30 years ago. And as you think where we're moving, there's going to be even more automation and more uh, less manual labour, and therefore those skills will change again and the, the increase in flexibility required. And I just don't think in manufacturing, the industry's kept up with letting people know that this is happening. And informing people to make sure it it does um it kind of translates through to education i think it leads on to the issue of dwindling numbers of of young young people entering the sector do you put that down to just education or are there other factors at play here uh i think there's also a perception uh for young people um what the job offers i think there's a perception that uh, factory work doesn't pay well. I think it, it's not well, well understood what actually you do when you're in a factory. I think there's still, you know, these historic videos of like the Model T Ford rolling off uh, an assembly line and what that may have looked like. And, you know, that's just not the reality anymore. Um, you know, so people feel that it may be low fulfilled. And, and you know, honestly, I think it's almost like it's not doesn't feel very sexy almost um, mm. as a role. So, you know, individuals with, you know, the kind of science, technology, engineering, maths uh, degrees and, and education, they're attracted to other industries. And I think we're really not doing a great job in informing people about that. What can manufacturers do to attract talent? And then how important is the shift to digital from paper-based manufacturing? Why is that so key? Yeah, so I think on your first point, how to attract them, I think we need to engage with, you know, the kind of millennials and next gen coming through in the way that they're familiar with. So use social media, use 
a way of communicating through stories and you know talking about people who've actually been in that industry and how it has evolved to start to attract talent in the way that they're used to and I think honestly the manufacturing companies could do more by promoting what's possible get out to schools universities and and share the reality of where you know what the jobs look like now and where they're going to evolve towards and then probably pay people um, you know, get people in apprenticeships and get them to actually experience it and then get back and talk to their, their, their mates about it and really help that move forward. And, you know, when you think about how we shift to kind of digital from paper-based, you know, people in, coming in that we want to attract into that industry, they're used to working with phones, tablets, devices, not written down on paper. I, I don't suppose even you know at school or university now people aren't making notes on paper they're doing it on their ipads they're doing it on their tablets etc and therefore to have this disconnect between you know they're used to all this technology when they're being educated now they go to a factory and start writing down on a piece of paper what the quality checks were it feels out of whack so we need to align the tools that that generation are used to with you know what um is available in the factories and you talk about a workforce coming through that are used to tablets, digital software, but with constantly changing and evolving technology, you know, who's to say that the skills gap won't continue to be an issue in the years to come? I really think, Tom, it, that is a reality that is going to happen. Uh, it would be foolish to believe that automation won't continue. And as it does, you know, I imagine that there'll be less and less manual labour required, less interventions required, more automation. And what that means is that the factory work of the future, their skills are going to have to be around, to our values, going to be around innovation, creativity, problem solving, where machine learning and AI don't have the necessary data to solve these issues because it needs deep learning to be able to do that. And when that happens, whilst there'll be less of them, those skills be highly valued. And I imagine that, you know, the individuals that are there in factories in the future will be adding massive value, but I'd also like to think that they get rewarded uh, properly as well. We're done. That's it. Lana, stop typing. Sorry. We're done. Right. I'm working. Consider yourself sold off, Lana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, right in the middle of a podcast. That's, what, that's rude, what are you doing? That's uh, work, actually. Um, <laughs> that's the work. second time I've been told off today. Who else told you off? James. Oh, he did, didn't he? And quite right, too, if I may say. Any plans this weekend? Where even are we? What was it? 18th of March today. So, so what are we doing at the weekend? Can anyone, anyone compute that? I'm going to Bath. Okay. The city of Bath for a weekend away, filled with eating and drinking and going to lots of bookshops. What about you guys? I, I can't beat that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, to be honest, mm. what I'm doing. But that sounds good and probably better than, than whatever I'm doing this weekend. I'll be having a bath, probably. That's about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> not quite the same, not is really. it? Thanks for all your help again, guys. My thanks also to this week's interviewees, to Jack Thomas at Print City Network Project and Ian Rowledge of Lineview Solutions. And of course, thanks to Len Palmer and the guys at Lander. You are smashing it out there. 
keep it up. And our thanks, as always, to you, listener. Keep on keeping on, and we'll see you next week for the next episode of the Skills and People series. Goodbye.